this is Tony Lloyd. Being a broadcaster for many years, I've witnessed some great stories in the music industry. And now I want to bring as many music stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. My goal is that they will inspire others making their way in the music world. Music Stories with Tony Lloyd. Astrid Young, welcome to Music Stories. How are you? I'm great and thanks for having me today. You're you're very, very welcome. Uh, You're talking to me from uh, Canada, I believe, and I'm in the south of France. Another truly international interview, which is fabulous. Um, Now, um, I've done a little bit of research on you. Not a lot, because I want you to tell me about you. Um, Okay. (laughs) But um, you've just released um, a single. Um, There's an album to talk about as well. Uh, you are the sister of Neil Young, who one or two people might have heard of. Uh, <laughs> and um, you've got quite a musical family, haven't you, really? Uh, obviously, Neil uh, has been very successful in his career. Yeah. Honestly, uh, well, my cousins and, uh, you know, mm, let me put it this way. My immediate family, aside from myself and my brother, are not, you know, there's no other musicians in the family, but uh, my uncles and my cousins are all, you know, kind of natural musicians. Like our grandmother uh, was a piano player. So it, it, it kind of definitely runs through the lines of my father was the first one to freely admit that he couldn't carry a tune. He was the only one in the family that couldn't carry a tune. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess it skipped a generation. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I've been in the music business about 50 years and I can't sing a note. <laughs> <laughs> well there's nothing wrong with that. i always say you know we always we need music lovers not all musicians you know i mean it's it's a joy playing and everything but i mean if we were all musicians then you know it, you know when we played live it'd be just everybody sitting around judging each other so yeah <laughs> that would be no fun <laughs> i can imagine i can imagine that and also um your brother neil's married to daryl hannah as well isn't isn't he um, the the most famous uh, mermaid in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, yeah. yeah. So there you go. So uh, a big talented family. So let's talk about you. Um, tell me about uh, this single. It's called "Lay Me Down," uh, borrowed tune. Tell me where the inspiration came from. Tell me about the song. Right. Um, well, actually, I wrote the song a long time ago, and it was kind of about a moment in time. Um, it's it's a very kind of romantic song. There's a lot of a uh, lot of emotion in it. Um, but I I had recorded the song and I was just never really happy with uh, with where it was at. Um, actually, I worked on it over the years, on and off. I think I recorded the original tracks, like the piano, in 1996, and, uh, and it sat and sat and sat, and then I worked on it some more about 20 years ago and I just never really had a home for it. And then um, when I started working on this album, I was working, I'm working with a producer named Eddie Kramer. And uh, so we were discussing new songs to do and, you know, I, I uh, new song possibilities. And I kind of threw that song in the hat and I said, well, I got this song. I said, it's a really good song, but you know, I'm not really happy with the, with most of the tracks, we can keep the piano and get rid of the rest, just replace the rest. And and he just went nuts over the song. He thought it was so great. And uh, so, and, and it was also because the piano was, you know, in, in great shape. Uh, 
you know, we and actually we didn't replace the lead vocal either. So I think from the original track, the B3, the piano and the vocal are the same and everything else was replaced. The drums and bass were replaced. And then we put a string section on it and it's just absolutely stunning. <laughs> but that's the first single from the record, which is uh, um, it would probably be done in December, early December. The album. Yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to play a little bit of it now if you don't mind. Should we do Great. that? Yeah, cuz you described it perfectly. My empty bed is a piano ringing in my empty head. A setting sun this borrowed tune last thing I remember was the end of June. Was the end of June Tiny stars in killing jars They suffer across my ceiling Yeah, they know that I am waiting for you Astrid, I love that. It's brilliant. I'm listening to it in a broadcast studio in my headphones, and the production behind it is really excellent. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it came out pretty well. I, you know, I mean, it's hard to mess up a good song, but uh, <laughs> but Eddie really, really did a great job with the production on it, and uh, the strings are so beautiful. I mean, every time I listen to it, I get I. I still gives me chills. It's so good. Mm. I think I might have to play. <laughs> and I'm that. glad he talked me into not recutting the vocal because you know it's just like something that I, I uh, you know, did 20 years ago, and you always think, oh, I could do it better. But you know, he said, no, the vocal's great. You just leave it. <laughs> Don't do anything to it. So there oh, it is. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's fabulous. I shall probably play that on my radio show, Love from Tony. Fantastic. Has yeah, great. A romantic song. Read the word. Yeah, I'll play it. I'll play it. There you go. <laughs> uh, next week. Um, so uh, tell me a bit about your life then. You obviously come from a, a talented musical family. What uh, got you going? How old were you when you sort of played the piano and started writing music? Well, I, my parents had me in a music program when I was a toddler. So that's kind of when it started. I went to the Royal Conservatory of Music and I learned how to read music at a very early age. And I, I think I could probably read music before I could read, you know, words. Wow. And uh, and then I started playing piano when I was about six, uh, five or six or something like that. But I wasn't really fond of my teacher and uh, so it didn't last terribly long. Of course, when you go to the conservatory, they want you to take piano regardless of what you play. So mm. so I continued to take piano just to maintain my conservatory status. But I started playing flute when I was about eight. And then I switched to oboe when I was about 10 or 11. And I played in orchestras, uh, oboe and English horn for many, many years. And, uh, and I got into rock and roll when I was about uh, 14. Of course, I had been listening to... Um, I was really big into Black Sabbath and Judas Priest and and some of these heavy rock bands. That it, it, it was kind of interesting to me because I, I saw that there was a, a, a lot of parallels between orchestral, like the orchestral music that I like, which is you know big and dramatic and bombastic, like all the you know Tchaikovsky and Rimsky Korsakov and 
and uh, Rachmaninoff and stuff like that. And I found a lot of parallels between that and, and heavy rock music. So that's kind of the road that I ended up going, going down and, uh, I don't know, getting into starting to play in rock bands um, is a bit of a fluke, I guess. I never really considered myself. I really wanted to play in rock bands, but it was a lot harder than I had uh, expected it to be at the beginning. You know, having been in music all my life, I mean, you just think, oh, you know, I can just switch and do something else. But playing guitar is actually quite hard. And playing guitar and singing and playing piano and singing is, is, is quite difficult. Mm. So it took me a few years to master that. And then I moved to Los Angeles when I was in uh, in my early 20s and uh, ended up in a heavy metal band called Sacred Child. And uh, yeah, it was just against all odds, really, because I didn't really see myself as that. Not only was I not playing anything, I was just a singer in that band. So it was uh, just kind of just the start of my rock and roll journey. I did a lot of things when I was in Los Angeles, but that's primarily what I went there for and uh, um, ended up. Uh, session musician and being a side musician on other people's product projects like playing uh, uh playing piano and keyboards and i was a background singer actually most of the money i made in my career has been singing backup for other people um i've written with a lot of really cool people i've toured with a lot of really cool people including my brother for quite some time on i'm on a lot of his records and uh, and i made a few of my own um of course having been in music since i was uh, very, very young. I, I, I knew uh, from a young age that I was going to be doing a lot of recordings. So I spent a lot of time in recording studios and I practically lived in a recording studio since I was about 14. Um, I started as an intern. I was a second engineer. I ended up managing studios. So I've done a lot of recording over the course of my life. I've, it's one of the things that I love to do most, I think. Um, you know, if I could record, wake up and record every day, it would be, it would be a beautiful thing but <laughs> wow it's it's what strikes me have you having um listened to you just talk about your career uh is that the massive amount of experience you've got uh in all it's, aspects uh, of the yeah. music industry i mean you, you, have you ever thought of writing a book or have you written a book i did i actually wrote a book um it's called being young it was uh, first published in 2007 and then a trade paperback edition, which was an updated edition, came out in 2009. And, uh, and then my publisher went out of business actually a few years ago. So the rights reverted back to me. And uh, I'm shopping for a new publisher right now and hoping to do an updated version of that because it kind of, uh, uh, it, it, you know, the story kind of ends around 2009. And, you know, of course, a lot of things have happened since then. Mm. A lot of people that I, you know, talk about in the book have, have passed away since then, too. So, mm. you know, I think that there's a lot of filling in the blanks that I can do, you know, that I that I couldn't do before. And plus, uh, both my brothers have agreed, kindly agreed to participate in this version of it. So I think we'll get to get some interesting perspectives, but much more than just being kind of a biography of me or my family. It's uh, I like to call it a chronicle as opposed to a memoir because it's a lot of, uh, it's a real roller coaster ride. You know, I have a lot of people uh, over the course of my life have, have asked me, you know, what it's like to be, you know, Neil's sister and, and whatnot. And, and I don't know if you know this, but my dad was a household name in Canada too. He was a broadcast journalist and he was uh uh, very well known in, in uh, as a sports writer. He's written about 45 books, many bestsellers. Um, he is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. 
He's won the two highest awards in thoroughbred horse racing. So he was, he was like a big deal before Neil was a big deal. So, mm -hmm. I mean, growing up around kind of like the cult of celebrity is, uh, is a very interesting perspective to have. Um, and, uh, you know, and people ask me, oh, what's it like? You know, I think, well, I don't know. You got a brother or sister. What's it like? What's your family like? You know, I mean, it's everybody's got a family. They're all quite unique and stuff like that. But I realized that I couldn't really answer that question very um you know in, in very concisely so I just thought okay well uh, you want to know what it's like here's what it's like you know here's what's happened in my life and and uh you know take it for what it is but you know it's 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 an interesting read and it was a bestseller in Canada and and I think there's a lot of really funny parts and and uh people tell me it's really good and I still sell a lot of them so excellent excellent <laughs> And um, yeah. what was it, you know, you uh, mentioned about, you know, growing up with your family and everything else in the music industry and uh, what, was it a stressful experience? Was it tough? Was it difficult? Was it fun? What was the overriding uh, sensation? Well, you know, I mean, it was pretty cool in a lot of ways. First of all, as a musician, you know, being that my brother did pretty well, nobody could ever tell me oh no, you can't do that because, you know, there were, there's no proof uh, to the contrary as far as I was concerned. So I always had a lot of support, especially from my dad to kind of go for what I wanted to do. Um, but definitely it, uh, it is a different experience, um, growing up in a family that is known because people, if they know those facts about you, they don't tend to treat you like a human being. And, and it took me a really long time to kind of sort that out that, you know, I mean, in high school's hard enough, school's hard enough, you know, people are kind of, you know, kids are, kids are pretty brutal and, you know, they make up stories about other kids if they don't know the truth. And, and also, you know, uh, it took me a long time to realize that people just wanted to be my friend because of my family, you know, and I think I was quite naive, um, about that for a really long time and, uh, got taken advantage of by a lot of people. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough enough for a kid to kind of figure out who they are and be confident enough within themselves to be able to say, uh yeah no that's not for me but you know it, it's it's funny looking back because at the time you know my my sixth sense was telling me oh that person's kind of a jerk you know <laughs> but then you talk yourself out of it and you think oh well they're being really nice and they're saying all these nice things and things like that and then you find out later that this like yeah they they were a jerk and your first six you know your first instincts were right so it, it takes a long time to kind of trust yourself like that and yeah. to learn where to protect yourself and not. And I don't want to walk around being suspicious of everybody that I meet, but mm. I have to tell you, I do not, you know, spill that fact in, you know, like some people think it's really fun to kind of tell us, oh, it's like, Oh, this is Astrid and she's, you know, who she is. And, and I have to kind of take them aside and say, you know, this might be fun for you, but I have to tell you what happens. It's like if people, if that's the first thing that people know about me, then they will never treat me like a human being. I will always be objectified in their minds. So I try to kind of keep it on the down low. And I think I'm interesting enough on my own not to have to. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, I mean, you know, listening to your career story, is it's incredible. I'm very impressive. Um, what what's, oh, um, well, 
There's oh. so much more. There's so much more. Just the tip of the iceberg, you know? <laughs> well, that's good. Um, I'll look forward to another interview with more more stuff. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody listening to this uh, episode of Music Stories? You know, based on all that massive uh, experience and also having to deal with, you know, not trusting people uh, who are trying to befriend you and so on. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody, especially a younger person who's, um, you know, making their way in the music industry and struggling? Uh, if they're struggling, well, you know, I think I think it's really important to keep one thing in mind because the the music business in itself is is not very satisfying and it can break your heart really quickly. So I think the bottom line is the music and just to keep the music in your heart and do it for the joy of it and and don't really look at the end result. I, I mean, even though I've accomplished a lot of things in my career, if I had been so focused on the end result, a, a lot of these things wouldn't have happened um, because, you know, my image of where I would be, you know, in my 20s or my 30s when I was in my teens was it ended up being completely different and mm. perhaps even cooler than I could have ever imagined. So you just have to have to kind of follow your muse and uh, and keep creating. And, and, and another thing, too, uh, with performance, and this is I, I coach young musicians on this all the time. Make sure you have what you need. Make sure that you are comfortable on the stage. If your guitar's out of tune, tune it. <laughs> if you don't, if you forgot one of your pedals or something like that, or you don't have the right equipment, you know, just take the time and make sure that you have everything together to make sure that you're comfortable because um, there's nothing worse that, you know, sometimes people, people, you know, just kind of tune out if they see something's wrong or if they see you're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to uh, give them the full effect of your, of your, your joy for your music and your art and things like that. So I think that's really important. It's a lesson that I had to learn uh, early in my career too, is just to kind of ask for what you need. And, you know, if it takes a few extra seconds then you know, so be it. <laughs> <clears throat> very, very good advice. Astrid, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, your single Lay Me Down uh, Borrowed uh, Tune is available now just yep. about everywhere. Um, yep. And your album is uh, coming out. I'm really excited about that. Um, Me too. Later on uh, this year, uh, 2023, um, One Night at Giant Rock. I'm looking forward yeah, to that. It's kind of, well, and this is, somebody pointed out to me this morning that it's kind of confusing for people because One Night at Giant Rock actually came out a few years ago. And so this is an extended version of it. And we're thinking about calling it Another Night at Giant Rock <laughs> <laughs> because it's, uh, we are remixing the original tracks uh, from, from the original record. Eddie's uh, remixing and remastering or putting out vinyl, but we also added seven more tracks so uh it's going to be you, significantly you could, longer you could, you and, could call yeah. it you could call it another night at giant rock yeah yeah that's what we're thinking about <laughs> that's it? what we're thinking of just so just keep it kind of separate in a way <laughs> amazing okay well, but we should have a new single coming out um the new single will be coming out probably in october and uh it's a duet with david J who is, uh, he's the bass player for Love and Rockets and, uh, and Bauhaus. And I co-wrote the song with him. He plays on the record too. So um, it's a really, really cool song. And uh, I've got a, actually a song. My brother's actually playing harmonica on one of my song, new oh, songs wow. too. So well, you know, yeah, you have to, to, you have to drag in people every now and again, don't you, to give you a hand. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again for he talking. He always says to... yes when I ask, so. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Uh, thanks again. Your website is astridyoung.net if people want to get in touch with you and uh, keep up to date with what you're up, up to. And uh, thanks again for talking to me on Music Story. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. Tony Lloyd, creating audio and film worldwide.